Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Listen to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Post-game podcast. Sherelle McMillan's with me. Sherelle, good teams win, great teams cover. Carolina breaks the 80-point barrier, loses to Gonzaga 94-81 to out in Spokane. Uh, didn't think we'd have a lot to talk about in this podcast, but I, I do think we've got some things we can discuss, but your overall thoughts to start. Yeah, I mean, nothing was too surprising, I think, about the way the game turned out. I thought North Carolina played fairly uh, well, honestly, at least on the offensive side. And I don't think they were terrible defensively, just Gonzaga's a really good, efficient offensive team. Um, certainly, they had some breakdowns defensively, but for the most part, I think that game is kind of what you can expect from UNC. That was close to best case scenario. You know, they could have gotten a little bit more from Armando Baycott, and they didn't have Brandon Robinson in the second half. So, those two things, uh, you know, keep them from keep kept it from being kind of what they might look like if they play really well all together with Cole Anthony out. But it, it was it was pretty close, I think. Yeah, the defense, to be honest, was disappointing, especially in the second half. Like you said, I you know, I heard them say at some point Gonzaga was shooting seventy eight percent in the second half, and we're doing this podcast off ESPN stats. We usually have the official stats. We don't have those at hand right now, so I can't tell you what Carolina shot or what Gonzaga actually shot in the second half. Uh, but, you know, I thought there were some positives out there, Sherelle, and certainly I'm going to start from the beginning. I thought Garrison Brooks, and this is something that's been maybe one of the most frustrating things to watch this season is Garrison Brooks is effective when he gets the ball on time in correct position. And he did that more than one occasion early against Gonzaga, finishes seven for 11, 16 points, probably could have some more rebounds. But I just think, you know, we've, we've discussed the poor shooting woes. We've, we've talked about that all season. I think Garrison is quietly having a, a pretty nice season, but I just think he could be so much better if they could just get him the ball um, where he needs it repeatedly and with some consistency. Yeah, I think in the last part of what you said is with some consistency, that's the issue, is that you're asking uh, K.J. Smith, who was, you know, a, a, it was a former walk-on, uh, Jeremiah Francis, who looked good. We'll talk a bit more about him later, but hasn't played organized basketball, you know, in two years until the last couple of games. Um, you're asking Anthony Harris to do it as well, who hasn't played basketball until the last couple of games for a year. You're asking Linky Black to do it, who's still hurt um, and, you know, is going to be not 100% for the rest of the season. So that's those are, that's the crew right now you're asking to be consistent. And it's very hard to do that because it was going to be tough enough with Cole Anthony, as great as he is, because those guys hadn't played together. Now you have people, not only have they not played together, but they're still, you know, getting their legs back into organized basketball. So add all that together, and I think that's one of the reasons you see them do it sometimes and not other times, just because they're learning to be more consistent. 
Um, I think Garrison has done a really good job, all things considered, uh, with the point guard situation, with some of the issues they have with spacing, with, you know, the complete inability to shoot from three most nights. Um, I think he's done a really good job of just finding his spots. And as much as they can get into the ball, I think that's definitely the game plan is to get him and Baycott as many touches as possible in the paint so that, um, you know, they can kind of eat guys up with offensive rebounds and hopefully start making their their putbacks. Yeah, and it flows better for this team. I, I think a lot of times Roy Williams would try to pound the ball inside when he had guys out on the perimeter that were really could make things happen. Um, and maybe I thought they would overpass it inside. But for this team, I really think it needs to go inside out and go through Garrison right much. I mean, I, I thought he was effective. Now I will say this. You talked about the the lack of consistency from him getting the ball, but there are also times, um, and you know, I'm sure that he'll watch the tape and, and may disagree with me. But there were times where he sort of vanished getting down on the post. I don't know if that's the set calls. I don't know what exactly is there, but there were times where he just abandoned getting down there. Uh, you know, in those stretches where I, I tweeted about the eight to ten minute stretches Carolina seems to have in every half this year where they just go off the rails. I think Garrison sort of succumbs to that a little bit. I think part of that is his, his burden as well um, as the team's best defender. And now, um, you know, really maybe option a on offense, if not option, uh, you know, option, option one on offense, if not option like one B on offense. So he's got to not only be the best defender and call out everything and do what he's always done, but he also now has to score. So, I mean, that's a heavy burden for, you know, a guy his size, 6'8", 6'9", you know, 240, 250, or whatever he is, playing 36, 37, 38 minutes. So that might be part of it as well. Yeah, and I don't disagree there at all. I mean, he does have a load on him because he's got to do it everything, like you said, on both ends. Let's talk a little bit about his front court mate there, Baycott. He Finally got a tap in today. Uh, goes one for six on the night after a two for 14 performance. So that's three for 20 over two game span. And Sherelle, I saw him in the Bahamas. Uh, he struggled against Michigan. Like he said, he got his butt kicked. He said that. I'm not saying that, even though I'm not disagreeing with him <laughs> against Michigan. But against Oregon, he was flat out dominant against a what I think will be a good Oregon team. Um, and they've proved that already this year. But he has just really, really struggled. He's obviously hurting. Um, whether or not he came back miraculously from the ankle he suffered against Ohio State, he's obviously um, still struggling with that. But, Sherelle, have you seen a guy that talented, that size, have as much time putting the ball in the basket as he's had the last couple nights? It's been surprising. And you would think just by happenstance, a couple of those would go in a couple of the tips, like they would just fall in <laughs> just because of proximity to the basket, but it hasn't happened. And, you know, I, I think he's still, again, getting used to college basketball, but I also think um, a part of that is, you know, learning how to go up strong. And, and sometimes he has a tendency to, I don't want to say shy away from contact, but you know, he, he would rather have a jump hook where he doesn't go into some, than go into somebody's body. I think that's definitely part of it. He just has to be stronger. Um, he has to play more physical in the paint and those sound cliche, but, uh, they're really important. I don't think it's, uh, you know, something to be too concerned about with him because he is coming off, you know, an ankle injury and he's still, this is only his 11th game. I know people think he's been here for three years, but it's only his 11th college game. Or he's only played 11. Well, I'm sorry. He's only played nine college games. Um, so, you know, he's still getting used to it, still adjusting. And I, I'm really not worried about him too much. Um, 
just because he is a talented scorer in the post, and I think he'll be fine. But definitely going through a rough patch, and they really need him to improve. Because UCLA, I do think, is a game they could win. Like, I tonight, I, I didn't think there was any chance they would win the game. Like, you know, there we talked about it offline. You could have given me almost any spread, and I'd be like, okay, fine. I didn't think there was any chance at all that they would win tonight. I do think they have a chance to win Saturday, provided they can do some of the things they did tonight and get uh, Brandon Robinson back healthy and get, uh, you know, more production from Baycott. Yeah, I think, and I asked him in the Bahamas about the minutes he was playing. He said he's not fully in shape, and that's not it, – it's just tough to get in college shape, and especially, like you said, he, he doesn't necessarily shy away from contact, but he's not used to the contact. I mean, you watch the Gonzaga bigs. Uh, I don't want to butcher the name, Petrushev and, and even Tilly to a smaller extent. They go straight at guys, and they're used to that physical pounding it takes on the inside garrison brooks is used to it um baycott's he got a ways to go to to get there but you're right it's not really a cause from concern but i think he does need some confidence he looks like he may be lagging a little bit there in that regard um and rory williams continues to push him and is going to continue to push him and i think he'll be better for it It, it's so funny to me because you, you mentioned confidence which has been kind of the buzzword around unc for the last couple of weeks. And as we get into more about this game, I think it's pretty clear. You can start to see who is developing confidence or who has confidence right now and who doesn't. And it's so clear in their play and just, you know, I don't want to go into the, you know, read body language thing, but just in how they carry themselves and how they go up for rebounds and how hard they cut and how hard they screen. You can really see like who believes that they are playing well or that they're good or that they should be playing, you know, this level. It's pretty easy to see from, I think. Yep. We're going to talk about it after the break, but let me talk quickly about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, core sponsors of this podcast. Very good friends of Inside Carolina, very good friends to Inside Carolina members, especially the premium members, because if you're one of those, you get that 10% off your order. Great Christmas gifts, great gifts, great Carolina gear for any occasion, all sports soccer, football, basketball, of course, and get anything you need, car-related, home-related, tailgate-related, everything at Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Visit them on Franklin Street if you're in Chapel Hill. Great crowd to deal with. Customer service is excellent. Either place you choose to shop with Johnny T-Shirt. Sherelle, uh, one guy that's playing with a lot of confidence, and it's kind of it, – it, I don't know what it says about the makeup of a person internally. Um, I don't know how you judge that. But if you could judge it by the way they play, having not played in so long, Jeremiah Francis is a confident dude. Yeah, he is. And um, I think, you know, later on when it gets – me and you have been doing these podcasts for a while. And when it gets to the NCAA tournament, we always talk about what? We talk about finale. We talk about how the seniors kind of come out like crazed dogs because they know if they lose, their career is over. Jeremiah Francis has been doing that for the last two years. Like there was a legitimate chance at some point that he may never play basketball again after the multiple knee surgeries that that he's had, all the rehab, you know, all the days, you know, with Jonas, all the days he spent in Houston with John Lucas training, like all that stuff over the last couple of years, he realized that this could be over really quick. And when you go through that and you're able to you just get on the court and just play, I would imagine I'm not I'm speaking for him. I would imagine that that is just like a weight off the shoulders. Like this is the easy part, you know, going out and playing isn't hard because of all the stuff I've been through over the last two years. So I think that's one of the reasons he's confident because to him, he's kind of playing with house money because 
like I said, there was a chance he wasn't going to play basketball anymore. And now not only is he playing, but he's going to have a key role at least for the next month. And he's actually playing pretty well, um, all things considered. So, you know, I, I think that is a welcome sign for, for North Carolina. Not that just not just this season, but moving forward, that he can be, you know, someone who can come in and, and play some point guard for them. Yeah, I think he'll be effective down the line. Let's talk about this season, this last few games. And we didn't have you on earlier in the week, but we kind of talked about the K.J. Smith, uh, Jeremiah Francis comparison a little bit. Who should be the main point guard? Smith, of course, started again tonight. Uh, but just sort of, in your eyes, compare and contrast their games. Uh, you know, the other night I thought K.J. was more effective. Tonight, clearly, Francis was. Um, but what do you see and what makes these two guys similar and, and different? I think they're both truer point guards, if you want to use that cliche, than um, some that Carolina's had in the past, specifically Kobe, obviously. But um, Cole is a, certainly a true point guard. But Francis Smith, your take on uh, their games and how they mesh with what Carolina's trying to do this season? Well, I, I think Francis is pretty perfect for what North Carolina wants to do. I mean, he's able to push the ball. He's got the body style that he can take some contact. Uh, I think the issue with him is you just, you're not sure how much you can use him just yet. I think he's clearly a superior player to KJ Smith and that's not taking anything away from KJ Smith because he's, you know, played admirably in a situation that he never expected to be in. So, you know, props to him for that. But I think you're talking about a different caliber player when you talk about Harris. I mean, he was someone that everyone wanted prior to committing to UNC. And I say everyone, the Midwest schools, his recruitment hadn't quite gone national yet, but he was a good player and everybody knew it. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's really fair to compare like healthy Francis to he healthy Smith because they're, they're very different. For this particular North Carolina team, I think what Smith does really well is push tempo. I think Harris push, pushes tempo too. I think Harris is a, a better finisher um, already. I think he like we talked about his his body style, I think he runs the offense a little bit more, a little smoother than KJ, and he is somewhat of a threat to shoot from the outside. Um, so you know, I, I think Roy is very comfortable with, with KJ Smith, um, as comfortable as he can be, because he's been in the system a little bit longer. I think Francis is the superior player, but also you just you can't put too much on Francis too early because you just don't know what's going to happen. So you want to kind of ease him in. And I think that's why KJ Smith continues to get, you know, the starts and the bulk of the minutes. Fair enough there. Anthony Harris, what's your thoughts? I, I think he's going to be good for North Carolina down the line. I, I think he shows flashes, clearly a guy that hadn't played a lot of basketball over the last year. Um, what do you see out of him in a game like this and moving forward? Because Carolina's, this is it. Um, Brandon Robinson healthy, but this is it until at least mid-January, maybe longer. Harris's role, you think? Well, you know, I'll answer that question by talking about something in general. So there was a thread on the premium board um, today that said, what are you looking for tonight? I think it was B-Wall who, um, who posted the thread. And I put a, a, a GIF of uh, a movie um, that basically said they're looking for hope. And I think that's what Carolina fans wanted. They just wanted to see some competent basketball. It, they, I don't think anyone expected them to go into Gonzaga uh, without Cole Anthony and without uh, Brandon Robinson for the second half and win the game. But they wanted to see them compete. They wanted to see better execution. I think what Roy Williams can now say to them is say, hey, you know, you guys were within five of the number two team in the country on their home floor in the second half without Cole Anthony 
and without Brandon Robinson to starter. And he's going to say, if you had played with the effort or I want to say the effort, if you had played with the attention to detail like you did today on Sunday, you wouldn't have lost to Wofford. And if you play like you did tonight, part of it, I won't say all of it, but part of it, if you play like that on Saturday, then you have a great chance of beating UCLA. And then you have a great chance of beating Yale. And then you have a great chance of beating Georgia Tech. But, you know, I think a game like this, even though they lost, I think it really can build some confidence in, in some of the players. And um, I think that's what Carolina fans are hoping for, that they see that they can compete, that they are able to do some things, that it's not, it wasn't a one-man team before, but they can survive at least until Cole gets back. And you see Anthony Harris and you see Jeremiah Francis and, um, you know, glimpses from Kristen Keeling and you see Garrison Brooks and you, you think that maybe they believe that. And if they do believe that, I think you'll see them start to play better. So um, the question was about Anthony Harris, but I think that's that's the positive if you're looking for one, is that now you're starting to see Jeremiah Francis and Anthony Harris can be pieces for North Carolina, not just this season, but moving forward into the future. Indeed. Just to close the show, what do you think of that Gonzaga team? And, and, and I ask that because here's my take on this season thus far. Okay, Carolina's now 6-5. and five. Four of those losses have been against Gonzaga on their home court, which I'm not sure last year's Carolina team wins that game tonight. Possibly, but if Gonzaga shoots 60% on their home floor, that's tough, even though they beat them in, in Chapel Hill. But then you've got at Virginia. We know how Carolina plays at Virginia. It's just been that way. And then you have Ohio State team that just bludgeoned this team. And then you have the Michigan team that did the same thing. The cause for concern... I think for everybody is a the shooting woes, yes, but those four games were going to be tough ass for this team, regardless of health, regardless of you know if they just shot average. The is Wofford that game is that what causes so much concern for North Carolina fans? Well, for me, you know, just as an observer on the outside looking in, yeah, that that was the game that kind of said okay. Maybe this isn't a tournament team because even even with Cole Anthony not playing, that's a game you have to find a way to win and you have to know what your strengths are. And I think maybe they don't fully understand that Baycott and Brooks is a front court that should be getting, you know, I think I'm trying to look at the stats tonight. They had 17 total shots. I think <laughs> it should be more than that. And and maybe they're starting to realize that that's how they have to play and trying to develop an identity in the season. But, you know, I, I just think they shouldn't have lost to Wofford. And maybe I'm discounting Wofford, but, you know, they haven't been world beaters this year. This isn't, you know, one of those uh, lower major teams that goes 34 and 3 and, you know, gets a five seed in the NCAA tournament or anything. This is a team who's already lost a few games. So that was the one for me that said, wow, what? What's going on here? You know, I, I still think they they can win some of these games and they can kind of tread water until Cole Anthony, you know, hopefully gets healthy. But it's just, it's going to take a collective effort. It's going to take really concentration, locking in, all those cliches that coaches use. And it's going to take them, you know, kind of just grinding it out and, and finding Whatever way they need to win that day is the way they need to play. So if it is them taking 43s in the hope that they make 10 of them, then that's how they need to play that day. If it's giving Brooks and Baycott, you know, 50% of the shots, then that's how they need to play that day. Whatever it is, they have to manufacture some wins. And I think they're capable. Um, I think you saw some confidence from some guys tonight. Um, It's just a matter of them, you know, taking into the next game. Um, and trying to just get a level of consistency that allows them to to hold on until Cole gets back. 
Yeah, I think UCLA Saturday will be a big tell for this team. It's a long road trip, um, you know, and then you've got a UCLA team that's not been good this year, but they're UCLA and, you know, they're going to come out and play. So that game in Vegas, I think for me, that is the ultimate tell on this early season. Well, I guess we're close to mid-season now. That'll be the game that if either uh, they've got a chance or they don't. Long season, but I think at this point uh, they're going to have to survive, like folks have said, without Cole Anthony. I think UCLA, they've got to find a way to win that game. Um, to do as you said in your gift on the message board, GIF, uh, GIF, however you say it, they're searching for hope. I think UCLA provides an opportunity to find some. Sherelle, it's always fun. You're always the voice of reason. Um, I hope folks that uh, listen to these podcasts listen to Sherelle. Never too high, never too low. I, I don't know about this season. I, I don't know if I'm quite the voice, <laughs> voice of reason because it, you know, it it's been it's been tough to watch. Not, and I'm usually a big uh, proponent of you know uh, what equals what what is greater than how. So that just means I'm always about what's the end result. Don't tell me. I don't care how it got there. I, I don't care. You know what system they ran? Did they win or did they lose? But this year, it's not just the losing; it's it's the how and the losing, and the, the the losses are so lopsided, and the shooting is so atrocious, and the offense has been so bad at times that you, you just don't really recognize what you're watching. Because as somebody who follows Carolina, that we just haven't really ever seen that, like in the history of the program. So it's been it's been an adjustment, and I will say, you you asked about Gonzaga. Um, and I'm sorry to mess up your clothes. Um, you can you. We talked about your mom a, a couple of podcasts ago. How there's always something else to say. So <laughs> I, have, I have one more. Um, you know, I think Gonzaga is really good. I think they're you know obviously Final Four good. I don't think they played that well tonight, to be honest. I mean, they gave up. And they kind of took their foot off the gas, but they gave up 81 points to a team that struggles to score. Um, so I don't think they played particularly well, and they still won. You know, pretty easily. I don't buy Ohio State at all. I think they caught Carolina at the perfect time. You know, they're solid, but I, I don't, you know, I wouldn't buy stock in them. Let's put it that way. Same thing with Michigan. I think they're okay. To me, that's just the classic, you know, November Carolina loss more than anyone. Um, and then, um, so Gonzaga, who, who am I missing? Gonzaga, Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. And then I buy Virginia. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, Bomani Jones, a, a good friend, we talk about college basketball all the time. And one thing he's always said that really stuck with me is that when it comes to figuring out who's going to win in college basketball, figure out who, when they, you know, do their thing the best, it can't be stopped. And I haven't seen an offense or a system that when Virginia plays their best defense, that can stop them. And I don't know that when Gonzaga plays, you know, offense at their highest level, if anyone can stop them, maybe Virginia can. So that's why I buy those two and I don't buy Ohio state and I don't buy Michigan. Interesting take. I watched Michigan, from up close, I know I keep like name dropping the Atlantis tournament, but dude, they look good. And I saw them wear Gonzaga out. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. I just, I feel like Michigan is one of those teams who plays really well in November and December and January and it starts to tail off a little bit. And obviously that was under a different coach, so I shouldn't necessarily, um, you know, assume that's going to happen with Jawan Howard, but you know, last year they were, everyone was talking about how great they were after they beat Carolina. And I think they were maybe 15 and one at some point and they just didn't finish strong. So um, I, I just don't, I don't quite buy them just yet, but Gonzaga and Virginia, I do. Good stuff. Always fun. 
I'm going to wrap it now. The instant analysis post-game podcast ran a little long, but it's always fun to listen to Sherelle. Sherelle, it's been a pleasure. Uh, if I don't talk to you, I hope you have a good holiday. Um, if I do talk to you, it's because something else fell through, and you <laughs> always come through when you need it. But it's always fun, my friend. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Okay. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average of 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.